The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 13th chapter. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, so also ought you to wash one another's feet, for I have set you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the Gospel of the Lord. A friend of mine has a baby who is seven months old. The baby's name is Lane. Some of us got together for lunch downtown on Monday. At one point, the server came over and said, I cannot even tell whose baby this is. It looks like he's just body surfing around the table. Seven months is a great age for a baby. They are responsive and active and expressive. They're squishy and grabby and amazing. Babies that age are learning a ton. They are learning to crawl, to feed themselves, 
to speak their first words. <clears throat> they are absorbing language. They are observing relational dynamics and experimenting with fine motor skills. One thing they are not yet doing and won't be doing for a long time is determining motive. In other words, the other day, not one of us asked Baby Lane, hey, Baby Lane, do you know what we're doing and why? Do you know what your mother is doing and why? Do you know why she is feeding and washing you? Do you understand, Baby Lane, what is happening to you at this very moment? He doesn't know any of that. All he knows is if he moves his hand too quickly, he'll probably stab himself in the eye. But he doesn't really know or understand what is happening or why. Yet at no point did it ever occur to any of us to say, you know, Baby Lane is pretty stupid because he doesn't know what's happening to himself right now. Because Baby Lane is a baby and he simply cannot comprehend these things. These things are beyond his capacity to understand. His job right now is to be loved and to be taken care of. That's it. He's a baby. So when Jesus washes Peter's feet and says to him, you don't know what I'm doing, and then when he finishes washing his feet and says to the disciples, you don't know what I've done, the only appropriate reply is, you are 100% right, Jesus. We have no idea what you've done. To say anything else is to lie. Jesus isn't calling or even implying that Peter or the disciples are stupid. He just knows that there's no way they can possibly understand what's happening right now. No one, neither Peter nor us, really knows what Jesus is doing in his mission on earth. We know that Jesus tries to explain it in his parables and stories and sermons, and we try to understand. He says things like, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, or listen to the story of the prodigal son, or I am the good shepherd. And today, Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood and you will live forever. And we say, ah, yes, we understand. But truth be told, we don't have any firmer grasp on what Jesus is doing than Peter did that confusing night when Jesus washed his feet. Doctrine and dogma and creeds and endless theological volumes have been written since then over the millennia, but in the end, these are but human theories. There are plenty of times I look around and think to myself, what in the world are we even doing? And how can we really know what Jesus is doing when he gives his friends bread and wine and says, oh, by the way, this is actually my body and blood. Doesn't make any sense doesn't make any more sense to us than it does to Baby Lane when his mother feeds him sweet potatoes and he smears them all over his face and gets them in his eyes and ears. Sometimes he eats them, sometimes he spits them out. He has no idea what he's really doing. 
Today is called Maundy Thursday. My boys used to call it Monday Thursday, but it's Maundy Thursday after the Latin mandata meaning commandment. Today Jesus gives us this new commandment to love one another as he has loved us. This is a hard thing though to be commanded to love one another specifically as Jesus has loved us when we can't even fully grasp the how and the why of what God is doing in the first place. I mean, look at the lessons that we have just heard in our first reading from Exodus. It's a day of deliverance for some, but it's a day of death for others, depending on whether you have lamb's blood smeared over your door or not. That's the Passover event that Jesus is recreating with the Last Supper. This bread that you often eat is now my body, and this cup that you often drink is now my blood, he tells them, much to their astonishment. So whenever you eat and drink these things, remember me, he says. Remember that night when the angel of the Lord killed some and saved others and brought your ancestors from slavery in Egypt to freedom. Jesus' friends will remember that night when they ate bread and drank wine with Jesus. They'll never forget it, I'm sure, but that doesn't mean they understand any of it. But it also means they're not stupid. Some truths are just too big for human brains to understand. To be sure, the disciples will be doing a lot of remembering. After all, think of all of the things they've been through together. It's kind of like a slideshow at the end of a senior year in high school. Jesus, they say, we will always remember campfires by the sea and treks through the countryside. We will always remember how you turned senseless things upside down and invited small people down from trees and lifted shamed people from the dirt and called dead people from their graves. We will always remember how you never backed down from authoritative powers and empire threats. Jesus, we will always remember hearing voices from heaven and seeing visions of prophets long since dead. And we will always remember feeding so many hungry people with nothing but a few fish and a few crusts of bread. Jesus, we will always remember that night when you knelt down in front of us and washed our feet and nobody knew what was happening and at first Peter thought it was a joke but then he freaked out just like Peter always freaks out Peter you know how you always freak out we'll always remember that night when we all ate together for the last time and you made us say goodbye and we weren't ready to say goodbye to you but you made us we will always remember the things you said and the things we saw but we will never understand any of them. And now you ask us to love as you have loved us, but how exactly are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to love others with the love you have for us when we can't even begin to understand the love that you have for us? How am I supposed to love my neighbor, much less my enemy, like you do? knowing that you would die for both, but I'm not sure I can. So Jesus, when you ask us if we know what you're doing, it's pretty fair to say we have no idea what you're doing, because truthfully, none of what you're doing makes any sense at all. We remember. We just don't understand. And it's not that we're stupid. But I think we're asking the wrong question.
Because is it really so important that we know or understand what Jesus is doing? Maybe not. Peter doesn't have to know what Jesus is doing because Jesus knows what Jesus is doing. Is it, is it really important for baby Lane to understand what his mother is doing? No, but it's vitally important that his mother knows what she's doing. We can't ask baby Lane if he knows why his mother loves him. It's the wrong question to ask, but if we ask his mother why she loves baby Lane, she'll say without hesitation, because he's mine. So, let's just name the absurdity of Maundy Thursday, of Jesus asking us to model a love we cannot understand. As the church tries our best to express this with sacraments like baptism and communion and the rituals like foot washing and absolution and maybe even stumbling upon some humor along the way, which is always delightful. For example, some years ago, in my former parish in Calamus, we always did foot washing on Monday, Thursday. Always. I alone washed the feet of anyone who came forward. I had pitchers full of warm water, scented with lavender oil, with basins to catch the dirty water and soft towels to dry the feet. I carefully washed and dried the feet of anyone who came forward. Often my confirmation students came forward with messages written for me on their feet, and I would take great satisfaction in verbally correcting their spelling and sending them on their way, I can still see the most common misspelling of the word pastor, P-A-S-T-E-R, written in Sharpie on their toes. One year I was chatting with a beloved elderly parishioner before service. His name was Don Coobs. He had never missed a foot washing in my 14 years of being there. <coughs> But that year he said he was going to pass. I knew he had severe diabetes, and I knew he had had five toes amputated that year. I also knew he was deeply embarrassed. So I sat down next to him during the prelude, and I said, Don, you need to come up for foot washing. And he said, Pastor, there ain't no way in hell, not this year. My foot washing days are over. He said this. <laughs> My foot washing days are over. I said, Don, I don't know why we do silly things like this. Do you think I actually like washing people's feet? But I do know if you don't come up, I'm going to miss you. I also know if my math is correct, if you're missing five toes, we should be able to get you done in about half the time. Anyway, so... So Don came up for foot washing, and I washed the scars of where his toes once had been, and he cried. He died the following spring right before I moved here. I don't know why Jesus asks us to love like he does. Is it to engage parts of other people's lives like he did, where they hurt most, where they feel the most vulnerable? the most repulsive, that's how Jesus loves. 
That's how Jesus asks us to love. He doesn't ask us to die for the sake of the world because that's his job. He just asks us to love other broken and vulnerable people, even if we don't understand why or how to love them, because it doesn't matter why or how to understand. The understanding doesn't matter. The love does. I don't know why Jesus tells us to come to his table or to the water. I don't know why or how Jesus forgives our sins or how or why Jesus loves all people, including myself. I don't know why or how Jesus works out salvation on the cross. I don't know why or how God redeems all of creation. I don't know what it means for Jesus to kneel at Peter's feet or your feet or mine, but I know that Jesus knows. All I know is it must mean that we are his and that's enough. Baby Lane does not know why his mother dances around with him after his bath or hears his every breath through the monitor as she makes supper or awakens at 4 o'clock a.m. to calm him. He'll never know why countless hands palmed him aloft during lunches as he was passed around table after table after table. These things are not for him to know or understand. He's not stupid. He's just a baby. His is only to receive and be fed, to be washed and loved. Similarly, like infants, neither you nor I understand what Jesus is doing for us as we prepare for his death on the cross, or even as we go about life in general. Let's just honestly name that. Whether you have no education or are a doctor, none of this is based on human understanding. Yours is not to understand or to know what Jesus is doing. That's the beauty and the love that God and Jesus Christ has for every single human. That God chooses to die and live for each one of us, even if we don't understand it, even if we don't want it, it's how God completes God's creation and God's kingdom. And you are a part of that. Simply by virtue of being swept up in this amazing drama. Last night I learned of the death of a woman from Calamus where I served. Her name was Joanne Shelton. She was 94 years old. When I served there as pastor, she was my most beloved caretaker of the boys when they were little. In very many ways, she was a mother to me. Joanne existed in a state of pure and utter oblivion. I was hellbent in mastering the art of child rearing, and I had studied this in books and manuals, so I would be an expert in this field. And I would leave detailed instructions on how precisely I wanted things to go. And she followed those instructions 0% of the time. <laughs> when she left the house, there would be Nerf bullets on the TV, crayon pictures on the walls, and muddy footprints on the kitchen floor. But man, did she love those boys. <laughs> she would always watch them and say, well, would you look at that? And isn't that the most wonderful thing you've ever seen? She didn't have to clean the mess, that's why she said that. <laughs> Every Good Friday she had them over for the day so I could write my Easter sermon and so they could color eggs. As I grew as a mother, I found myself often doing things that she had taught me, still do. She was not stupid. She could read my list of rules. She just couldn't understand why they mattered. She helped me understand 
some things can't be understood. I can still hear her say, you'll never understand children, so stop trying and just love them. Jesus does not imply that Peter is stupid when he asks Peter if he knows what Jesus is doing. You are not stupid if you cannot comprehend the breadth and depth of love that God has for you. No more than a baby understands a mother's love. God's love for you is not determined by your ability to understand it. It's impossible to understand. Grasp at it as a baby grasps at a finger. No matter who you are or what you look like or who you love or where you live, God says to you, it is my eternal and unconditional joy to feed you and wash you and love you simply because you are mine. Amen.